I'd love to have a conversation because you said you've hired 200 people. I've probably hired just that many people too. And like you said, you're constantly learning. And I think it comes down, you were mentioned before, about, you know, being a human being on, you know, obviously on some level, um, but making sure that it's a good fit. And, you know, there are some things like, like I've mentioned before that you can, you can do in that process to weed people out. Um, that could weed people potentially out that you wouldn't see. And, you know, I mentioned it, you know, already before with um, doing like the social media, but, uh, you know, the references. Another thing is um, that work with frontline employees is if I was really, really like this person, I was like, all right, your second interview, you're going to come in and you're actually just going to observe. So I'm going to give you a tour. I'm going to introduce you to the staff. And I'm just going to have you sit here in the lobby and, um, you know, I'm going to have you take notes. I'm going to have you blah, blah, blah. I had them come in uniform. And um, and that was a test because if that person, an hourly employee, would come in dressed like I told them and they're sitting and they're taking notes, I'm like, okay, this person. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This is a solo episode in the sense of myself uh, here without Christian Dadalek, my co-host today, but that's okay because I've got a really great guest, Blanche Ryder, uh, joining us today. And before I get into a little bit about Blanche, I just wanted to welcome you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I love talking franchise, um, anything and everything franchise, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, especially since we'll be talking about, you know, the topic related to hiring within the franchise, but it, franchise industry. But a, a quick for our listeners, quick background on Blanche. Uh, Blanche has a 20 year, over 20 years of experience in franchising from owning a New Jersey based franchise concept for over a decade to being a senior leader at one of the top recognized franchise concepts, European Wax Center. During her time at European Wax Center, she ran the number one busiest location in the entire nation and won several awards at their national conferences for breaking company records. Currently, she's building her own brand, Blanche & Company, while continuing to work with emerging franchise brands to help streamline systems and processes to increase growth. All right. Well, Blanche, that's a great background. Can you give a, a little summary of... <laughs> that in a less formal way? <laughs> yes. No, that's fine. So I did, um, I started my franchise journey owning a franchise. I was pretty young for 10 years. Um, we right here in New Jersey. So, um, that was really what turned me on to franchising and, um, it was a great experience. And then after that, I moved on to European Wax Center, which was, um, I think had the biggest impact on, on my career, just being exposed to that level in terms of the franchise industry was um, on all different fronts because I wasn't the franchise owner, but the owners um, lived in Arizona and it was here in New Jersey. So they needed somebody that um, was capable of managing a place like that because it was wild. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, yeah, so from there I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've helped small businesses. I've worked in the fitness franchise industry. So I've kind of been um, on all sides of it for sure. 
So what was like your experience or your methodology to hiring when you first started out with your business? When we first started out, um, you know, we didn't really have a good method, I would say. You know, we were doing a lot of gut hiring, which there's, you know, that's part of it. Um, especially, you know, the industry that we were in, we were dealing with a lot of young, you know, young kids. So um, we went through, I think, the, just a, a typical method that you would go through where, you know, we didn't even do resumes or anything then. Um, cause you know, it was the, it was the type of industry we we're in. Um, uh, when I moved to European Wax Center, it became something different. I think that's, I think that is an issue with, with hiring, um, in particular with franchises that it isn't a one size fits all. So I think that's one thing I've learned through working with so many different concepts that you do need to tweak it a little bit at times. So you would just like adjust it based on the time of year or the, um, really the, t- the industry, I would say the industry. Um, so I think the very first thing that I learned, uh, you know, from the beginning is concerning the pay rate, because as franchise owners, you know, that's, a you know, pay is a variable cost. So it's the one thing that we try to like control a lot. And we, we try to maybe budget on, and we learned that we had to pay higher than our competitors. <laughs> Number one, to attract, you know, because if they're looking at us, they're probably going to be looking at somebody else. So that was one one thing that we really um, started with. And one thing that I that I have tried to work with franchisees on is considering a higher pay rate. I don't know how you feel about that. Because um, I know like it's kind of that, again, that it's that variable cost that franchisees, you know, kind of freak out about a lot. I think you get what you pay for when it comes to people. Um, I have found that, you know, you if someone's making more than they're supposed to, let's say they're being paid more than anywhere else, you think that maybe they'll step up. Sometimes that's not always the case. So they have to be like worth that amount of money, qualified for that amount of money. Um, you know, just overpaying someone doesn't solve, you know, core issues. But if you find a great person, I'd rather pay one person more money and have an amazing person than cheap out and have two people that are not great. Um, so I, I'm in total agreement. I think people work for, especially in those types of jobs, good pay and then the right culture. They need to feel like they're part of something and that they're happy to show up to work. And I think people maybe don't put enough effort into that. Yeah, no, I think... Um the next thing I was going to talk about was like the job description. Cause a lot of the times you can, you can really convey that culture within the job description. And a lot of franchisees miss the mark on that. You know, they're taking, they're copying and pasting from indeed, or, you know, even what the franchisor provides um, sometimes is not, you know, necessarily customized for their certain location because people want that culture and you can, you can, you can convey that in a job description for sure. Yeah. So you're saying the job description, like it's funny when I I just put out a a job ad recently and I found myself putting all the requirements at the top. And I realized that at the end of the day, like they need to be interested first. So I put the the benefits of the job at the top. Is that what you do as well? Yeah. So like, well, even a little bit different is that you're trying to get into the minds a little bit of, who you want there. So for instance, um, you know, I'm going to go probably refer to European Wax Center a lot because, (laughs) um, you know, because that was, had the biggest impact, but, you know, we didn't want just a waxer. We didn't want just a cosmetologist. We wanted someone 
who was passionate, you know, about waxing, who loved to be a part of a team, who loved the fast paced environment, you know, who didn't mind, you know, um, you know, you, you had like those key words, you know, that, um, that you knew you wanted to, um, attract in that first like line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many opportunities, you know, got to stand out. So tell me a little bit about Blanchard Company. What is it that you do there for our listeners? Yeah. Um, I moved over to the health and wellness space. So I was working in the health and wellness space as a fitness franchise. Then I was working um, with cryotherapy franchises, but I've always personally been very passionate about health and wellness. So about five years ago, I got really into essential oils um, and natural remedies. So for like about five years, I've developed my own um, essential oil line. So it is now... um, uh, a therapeutic grade essential oil line, but then I also, um, you know, influence people on health and wellness, you know, through social media and different affiliate marketing, things like that. And right now, you know, basically what I'm doing is I am researching a little bit about the retail and franchise because I am interested in possibly creating my own franchise one day, just trying to see how that fits into, you know, everything that's changing and evolving in that whole space when it comes to retail. Gotcha. Cryotherapy is awesome. I've done that before. Uh, I'd love to do it more. It's not near my house. Otherwise, I'd do it every uh, couple of days. I know. And it's just, that's one of the new franchises that are emerging. You know, there's you see a couple of them now. Uh, all over the place. So it's definitely one of those. And I think the health and wellness, the alternative, you know, health and wellness space, you're going to see even more up and coming when it so comes yeah, to franchises. So your goal would be to launch your own franchise or eventually? I I mean, that's eventually. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but it depends, you know, again, like with franchising, what I've learned too, it's, it's you got to do one thing really, really well. Your product has to be, you know, um, really, really well. And that's always, you know, that's the struggle. You have to have a really good product and it has to be replicated, you know, from location to location to location. So there's always that corporate or franchise, you know, uh, that I've seen, at least in my business experience that people go back and forth with. Now, I will tell you a very interesting model is the Chick-fil-A model. I don't know if you've had, um, if you look much into the managing partner, uh, model. I know like Outback did that. That's also a really interesting model that uh, that one of the cryotherapy um, franchises that I was working with was looking yeah, into it's that. Yeah, definitely where you put down limited cash and then they take the percent. Yeah. But you have to, it's pretty, I, I read somewhere that it's harder to get into a Chick-fil-A in that program than Harvard. Like the amount of app compared to applications to acceptance percentage. Yeah, I bet. But I'm just saying as a franchisor, like I, I am interested in, in that kind of model, because I think, you know, working with franchisees, I think the biggest um, issue I've seen is they don't all have the business sense. Yeah. Yeah. They have the money they have, you know, maybe they're passionate, but they don't have necessarily all the business sense, which comes, which goes back into why they struggle with hiring. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so I think that's an interesting model. We have someone really motivated, maybe doesn't have the money you know, that you could get a very, you know, um, high performing center off the ground. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting model with the, you know, being able to buy. And I, I know for me, like at the time of recording this, I'm just a few days away from launching my franchise or, well, uh, 
acquiring that franchisor and then launching in uh, in a couple of months. But you know, when when I when we design the offering for franchisees, I always think about when someone's looking to buy a franchise. There's basically four core questions that they ask in their mind: How much money can I make? How do I get customers? How do I hire employees? And how does this business stand out in the market? And like you had mentioned, with like what's the product? What's the unique selling proposition? Um, with with Chick Fil A, I think it's kind of interesting that you know you put limited cash down, you're getting a percentage of the profits. I think it's half of the profit you keep. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is I think you can't sell the business if I'm not mistaken. Nope, that's true. Right, so it's kind of like I mean, it's still an amazing model, especially for such limited capital down. Um, no, that's a good point. That's definitely a good point. You can't, and I think that's. Um, you know, that was an advantage for us. We were able to sell our, um, you know, sell our franchise for a profit. And that's definitely, um, definitely an advantage for sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, like the, the, the tremendous, the most life-changing event you can have is exiting a business, right? Because you're getting a multiple of, of the cash flow you're making and then you go start something else. You can take the money, reinvest it. Um, I know for me, like exiting my previous business was like a launch pad to, to start my next business. Um, so like that would be my only challenge with the Chick-fil-A is that you can't sell it. But other than that, I think it's interesting. But I'm I'm like you. I like the health and wellness. If I wa- I'm in home services, but if I wasn't, I would uh I'd love to be in, in health and wellness. I think there's something special about um helping people feel good and, and, and be healthy. And change their lives, you know, sometimes. Sometimes really change their whole um their life. So and there's so much it's such a need, you know, because we're we're we are I think what's really driven me is that I see so many people sacrifice, you know, at one time I did myself, your health and wellness for everything around you. And at the end of the day, you know, like that's all we have sometimes is our health, you know, or we don't have. <laughs> so that's what I keep trying, you know, when I, when I am my message and, and uh, my ultimate goal is to help people live better, look better, feel better is my, is my tagline. And uh, yeah, it's just something that, People sacrifice way too much. Yeah. What's the saying? How's your? I was gonna say how how would you grade yourself? Well, well, first, like, what's the saying? It's like uh, if you don't make time for your health, if you make if you don't make time for your wellness, you better start making time for your illness. Yeah, yeah. How would I rate myself in, into what to home? How you um, how you uh, uh, prioritize your health? Well. The first answer is I have not to brag, but I have some crazy genes. I have to say, like I, I require. I mean, I sleep seven hours usually, but like I could live with four. Like I, I don't need. It's not that I would be healthy, but like my body doesn't need <laughs> sleep. I can work crazy hours. I go to the doctor, knock on wood. I'm always healthy, um, but maybe age is on my side to some degree. Uh, but no, um, I would say that I put health pretty high now. Um, I didn't before because I had that mindset of like, ah, I'm always fine. And like, you know, I don't need to care. But (laughs) every year that passes, I realize how important it is more. Um, I I put health pretty high up there. I go to the gym most mornings. Um, It is easy to not eat as well when you're working a lot as an entrepreneur. So I would, if you're asking me a rating, I give myself like a seven. That's that's actually pretty good for an entrepreneur and and, um, someone about to, buy a franchise because I think most people, um, especially in the entrepreneur space, it's, you just get caught up. And like you said, like you're, 
meeting after meeting, like Zoom call, Zoom call. Oh, I'm just going to grab this. I'm going to grab that. I'm going to, you know, and uh, it's it's not as easy. It's, what do they say? It's not, It's easier said than done. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because like with the food thing, you're right. Like I noticed for me, because I have a whole remote team. And so what that means is I'm on Zoom like this. I'm looking at this camera from morning till night. And it, it is easy. It's not really acceptable to eat on a Zoom call, which... Have you ever noticed that? I think it should be socially acceptable to eat. Yeah, you're right. I, I've never. Really, I'm going to start telling people like, "Hey, this is this is going to be my lunch time if we have a call because it's working <laughs> lunch is totally normal, right?" Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's a little weird to eat on a Zoom call. So I know what you mean. I've had myself sub- shoveling down a granola bar between the five minute window. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can do a better job with with the timing of my calls. Well, it's 80% really what you eat. And I would go as far as to say 90%. So uh, now as I'm, you know, moving into the health and wellness space and I, uh, I don't work with people one-on-one, I do more group stuff is that, you know, don't eat. I tell people, don't even start with the exercise. And we were going off a tangent now, but (laughs) we're going off that's okay. But um, if you could start with your, with your, uh, you know, your nutrition, then the rest is, is easy. But the nutrition is the hardest part, so start with that first. And um, it's it is it's again it's it is a battle. You're saying the nutrition is the hardest part for people. It is nutrition is hard the hardest for people. I would say you're you're right. I mean, to me, it's not like the food. I mean, I'm totally off topic onto a personal tangent, but, <laughs> but um, it's not the eating healthy food. I don't care. I, I like healthy food. I think it's more like the preparation, the grocery shopping, the cooking. So the gym is easy. You go to the gym and you work out. And like, now granted, I'm fortunate. My gym is next to my office. And so I have no excuse to shower there. I pop back. Like it's literally connected. So I don't have to be in the cold when I go from one place to the other. I, Blanche, I basically live in like, like what I would equate to like college. Uh, My house, I'm in New York City and my house is two blocks. My gym is two blocks. Like I said, the office is connected. And I basically live in this little campus little bubble outside of traveling (laughs) yeah well i mean with the food it's you know that's one thing that i do a lot of too on my socials is my whole thing is like i want to share practical and easy ways for people to adapt a healthy lifestyle so that it doesn't seem hard especially with the food like there's a lot of easy things and it just sometimes takes a little you know step here and there like you said the planning it's like, okay, I'm going to bring this. I'm going to bring that. I'm not, you know, and so that you have it. It just takes a little bit of an, an extra thought sometimes. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. So like basically you took your experience of the tanning experience and then the European wax experience. You leveraged that into starting this company. What's your major goal for 2023 with the, with the business? Right, yeah. Right now with my business, I, the biggest goal that I have is awareness. So, um, you know, sales isn't really even on my radar right now. I'm, I'm trying to build awareness because my goal in two to three years is to open a flagship location um, where I integrate wellness, you know, wellness with kind of retail. and. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just still developing that. But until I do that, I want to build, you know, obviously 
the awareness, the following. And, um, and also I'm, I'm educating myself. I'm, I'm still working with franchises and business. And so that when that process, um, comes to fruition, you know, when I go to the investors and things like that, it's all ready to go. Gotcha. And going back to the the hiring topic we were talking about, like what, what we talked about, what you did in the past. What about now? Like what's your biggest tip on hiring in 2023? Oh, I would say that's so hard because there's so many different things. Um, I would say, remember, you know, who, who's in front of you. Um, because it is a generation, there are generations and there are differences in generations. So when you are interviewing that person, and I mean, it sounds so cliche, but you do need to hire slow. I think, um, there's so many steps that that people miss. Like they just do, you know, the phone interview and then they don't do anything else in terms of looking on social media. Social media is so big. Are you looking at your candidates? And seeing what they're so what they're doing on social media, so that's one thing um, that I always do is when I when I have somebody even before I talk to them, I'm going to look them up on social media and I want to see like what how they're putting themselves out in the world. And um, I know I think that's something. I think I mean people do. I don't know. Do you do that? Because I feel like I know that's not like anything new, but I don't. I still feel like a lot of people don't do it. Well. I think it's crazy not to. Um, I know you can't necessarily hire or not hire off of it if you're talking about the legal uh, components. But um, what I would say, like my hiring process over the years, especially over the past nine months or so, has changed drastically. I've, I've probably hired, I mean, between all the different types of people, I don't know, 200 people. If you think about all the people in the business and previous turnover, come back, contractors, you know, I don't know, at least 200 people. Um, and I've learned a lot, especially that tagline of hire slow, fire fast. I'm not so good at the firing fast. I don't like firing. I don't like letting people go. It's, um, it's hard. It's not something I enjoy doing. And so I try to really work on the hiring slow so that I don't have to do the firing fast. Although I will say that when someone's not a fit for a job, the most compassionate thing you can do is actually let them go. Because yeah. they're they're unhappy job, even if they don't realize it, and they go home and they bring that with them, and they're unhappy in their home, and they're in the wrong job, and you're holding on to someone that is not a benefit to either party. So I do this the higher slow. Um, I mean, I'm crazy. I mean, I tell people now, like, look, we're gonna talk for like a month. Like, I know that's not normal, <laughs> and they'll say, well, I have other options, and I say, you know, I no problem. Like, if you, if you have the other option, then maybe go with them because I'm going to take a month and I don't care yeah. because I don't say that. I don't tell them I don't care, but I don't care because <laughs> it's the best thing to do for myself, for my company, for that person. So I do the social media. I do references. We call every reference. And then I just find that over a month, you really do. It's like dating, right? You figure out what someone, you, you learn a lot more. People still can be much different after three months or three years, but I think it's very easy to be, Mutually fooled by an interview, meaning for the candidate too. Maybe I'm not the right fit for them. Um, and so I, I had that like month long conversation, even longer. I mean, there's people I've been talking to for a year, not in the sense that they're in a hiring interview process, but I always keep them in the back of my mind for a role. But it's like every day's an interview. And, and in my organization currently, 
you're interviewing for the next job every day and the job you're doing. If you want to be the the next step, you gotta you gotta interview for it day to day. So And you always wanna be um hiring. You know, that's another yeah. thing that is a challenge because you're so busy as a business owner. So it's I know that's very easier said than done, but I would um I would keep telling them, no, you like, okay, you've got somebody, but no, let's keep, let's keep hiring. And they would think I was, you know, keep interviewing, think I was crazy. You know, like, I don't have time for that, but I'm like you too, where I'm taking, you know, a very long time. And I think as a franchise business coach, when I was doing that, you know, they would get frustrated. <laughs> it looks a little bit different when you're working with frontline employees, because sometimes you do need to fill something fast. Um, but I would tell them, no, it's like, you really, um, it's it's just an ongoing, you know, type of thing. I think another thing too, while I'm thinking of it, it's always in my head, was you were talking about um, you know, references. I think references can be frustrating sometimes too, because you know, they give you exactly who you want to talk to. So another thing, and I'm sure you probably do this because you sound like you're you're pretty thorough, is that um I look on their resume and actually call references that they haven't given me. <laughs> so if it says that they worked, you know, this place, um, you know, I might do that as well because, you know, obviously they're giving you references. It's going to be people that are going to speak highly of them. Yeah. And especially like, like I mean, this is within franchising, you always have a, a, a degree of separation. You can easily find someone that knows that person mutually. Our industry is so small in franchising. And I've kind of made an ethos to really almost only hire within franchising. That's a, a new development for me. Just because I find that the franchise community is so close knit that if you're not the greatest person or professional, people will find out pretty quickly. Um, and so I like that that vetting franchising itself is a vetting process. Or I use certain companies as a vetting process. There's certain companies if you got a job at, it's not so easy to get a job there. So unless you got let go for some crazy reason, it's very likely that there's a track record of of a pattern that you're able to get that job. Um, another thing that I think people miss out on is hiring around your core values. Like yeah. for me, our core values are to be kind, to be gritty, to be, to think not in this order, but to think differently, to be a student or a lifelong learner. And then we have what's called caringly candid, someone who can be candid, but from a place of caring. And every day I think about those core values. And if the people on my team, you know, live up to those, if I live up to them, if I'm off on them, we do a thing called the people analyzer, which is a thing to track, you know, oh, you know, yeah, we do that. Um, I've worked with companies that have used that. Yeah. Yeah. If you told me the core values thing like 10 years ago, I think that's like mumble jumbo business nonsense, but now I think it's, no. it's unbelievable how spot on it is. It is. It is. And um, it goes back to, you could even put that, you know, you want to put those types of things in your, um, in the job description. Another thing, you know, and again, I do feel like it's a little bit different when when you're hiring for frontline employees than necessarily like what you're hiring for, which is for a company that's growing and things like that. So you do have to have um, a different mindset, which I think I'm going to be curious to see. I don't know. I guess you're getting franchisees, but I think that's a lot of disparity when I when franchisees come on. So you'll have to watch out for that when you get your own franchisees because they're higher, they don't understand, like they're frustrated by the hourly employee and why they behave a certain way and why they do a certain, like, because they, they're personally so motivated and so driven and so, such a work ethic. They don't understand like this, you know, hourly 
employee generation. I don't know if you've come across that frustration with franchisees. I think franchise development sometimes overstates the, hey, you're going to manage a team and they're going to just run the business. And I think you're right. The person that's used to the uh, white collar company where they were hiring or managing people of a certain background, they think like their employees are going to be like that. And you're right. It's a shock for someone. So I, I, I mean, for me, I like to be upfront and say like, you know, look, there's pros and cons to everything. High-paid people also have their challenges. There's all kinds of challenges, but you're going to have to learn. Well, one, you're going to have the ability to manage that kind of person, to prove that you're a leader in that kind of way. Um, and then eventually you can hire a GM that you know handles a good amount of, of that, but you're going to have to be able to do it in the beginning. Um, yeah, you really need to find someone that can be in a boardroom and in you know the other room, like in, and in the day-to-day, um, which I do think a lot of people buying a franchise the right candidates understand that. And yeah, the right candidates, absolutely. Yeah. If I had to put a finger on like what the best franchise candidates, at least in certain, like especially in home services, if you say like what's your desire to into like in owning a business, and their answer is like to build and lead and develop people, they make they make the best candidate because they understand they're gonna take somebody like like I used to have a call center. Sorry, I'm on a uh Grant here, but I had a call center. I'll never forget this guy that came in. He must have called like six times. It was early into the business. He must have called me like six times. And I forget why, but it wasn't a fit in my mind based on his resume. Then one day he showed up at the call center and he barely had like a, I'm not making fun of him. It's a positive thing, but he barely could like have his tie on. Like it like barely fit. His suit didn't really fit. He was borderline homeless, candidly. And he was so driven. He's like, I will do anything to take this job. I'll prove it. Like, please hire me. And I thought he was a great salesperson. And so we hired him. And I loved watching him develop his interpersonal skills in a company. He never worked in like a regular job like that. He was always in like construction kind of job. So I watched him like develop that and, and really over two years, like completely change new clothes, buy a home even. Um, right. It makes it worth it. And that for me, like I enjoy that kind of thing almost to a fault sometimes. But yeah, I think if franchisees are not willing to want to build and develop people, they're not, at least most businesses aren't going to be a fit for them. Yeah. I think they're willing. I think it's, um, you know, I think European Wax Center was a very, you know, um, it, it, it taught me a lot because you're like, you're dealing with a, a particular mindset, you know, like most of them are women. Most of them are in the cosmetology field. Like, it is just a completely different mindset. And um, you find that, I think, even in some of the other friends, like the, I'm th- talking more of like the hourly frontline employees, you know, where the mindset is different. And so I think getting into that why, which I know, again, sounds so cliche, but even with your hourly employees, like why? And I would tie it to, you know, like I had girls that wanted to just buy cars. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to move out, you know, and I kept tying, you know, that... um I knew their why, you know, going into it. So I think even when you're hiring, you know, you know, why, why do you want this job? You know, and the, those, those questions are so important. I agree. So you would figure out their why and keep driving that home. Yeah. And then of course, in the interview process, if their why is like, oh, because my mom, you know, like some people are on, oh, my parents think I need to get a job. Oh, because blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, you'd be surprised what some people say. Again, the people that you're interviewing, you know, they're a little bit more driven. It's like, uh, yeah, 
and even in the fitness franchise, um, we would get some. And so, but once you get someone that's like real, like, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, this is my goal, you know, in five years, I want to put myself through school, you know, like they're like driven, you know, like you have something there. It's like, okay, because then when you do get them in, then you can keep, you know, instead of being on them about their numbers and their performance and whatever it is, it's, you know, like, oh my God, we're going to get you that nursing school. You know, we're getting you that Volkswagen or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. It's, you're, you're spot on though, like with the franchisee, not expecting the managing that type of employee, because I actually had to have the opposite shift where it was like going from that type of employee to a high le- higher, you know, mm. caliber type of teammate. And still currently I'm learning. I'm learning like, wow, like you really don't need any help in that way. Like, let me just back off. And like, it's, it's a def- totally different experience. I, I think most CEOs that are, are good of any business understand how to get it out of the way. You know, um, someone once told me a great CEO is, uh, or David Barr. Have you ever listened to David Barr speak yeah. at a conference? So David Barr is like, I don't know, one of the most successful franchisees in my opinion. He's got multiple franchise brands and he's also a franchisor and just tremendously successful. Um, anyway, he said a CEO's job is to um, cast a vision, secure buy-in, um, hold people accountable, provide resources and be your cheerleader. And that's it. And you boil down your day-to-day. That's really what you're supposed to do. Um, but I think the resources and accountability and cheerleader and uh, vision and buy-in with a front desk worker is a heck of a lot different than an executive. Yeah, no, it is. And vice versa. Like sometimes it can be harder to, to manage and even hire, you know, some of the higher level people. So it's, um, you know, anyone that says they're an expert in hiring, I'd like to, I'd love to have a conversation because you said you've hired 200 people. I've probably hired just that many people too. And like you said, you're constantly learning. And I think it comes down, you were mentioned before about, you know, being a human being on, you know, obviously on some level, um, but making sure that it's a good fit. And, you know, there are some things like, like I've mentioned before that you can, you can do in that process to weed people out, um, that could weed people potentially out that you wouldn't see. And, you know, I mentioned it, you know, already before with, um, doing like the social media, but, uh, you know, the references, another thing is, um, that worked with frontline employees is if I was really, really like this person, I was like, all right, your second interview, you're going to come in and you're actually just going to observe. So I'm going to give you a tour. I'm going to introduce you to the staff and I'm just going to have you sit here in the lobby and, um, you know, I'm going to have you take notes. I'm going to have you blah, blah, blah. I had them come in uniform and, um, and that was a test because if that person, an hourly employee would come in dressed like I told them and they're sitting and they're taking notes, I'm like, okay, this person. And then once in a while, I would have someone say, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for letting me sit here. Thank you for showing me around because um, sometimes they they even get a glimpse that it might be not the right fit for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like no, I, I had a teammate that. on my team that, you know, wanted to go do something else and thought I'd be like offended. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. Is there anything to do with here? Is there, on, when you leave, send us an email or a note on what we could improve. But if it's nothing to do with here and it's just a personal thing, then what are you going to do? This is, you know, you're an at will employee. You don't have to work here, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
I think another thing, just keeping on the hiring, I, I mean, I know you probably do this, but um, the offer letter, I've noticed that a lot of people, um, they, you, you know, they don't um, take it seriously enough. So the offer letter is so important because it can be such an amazing coaching tool once you've hired someone. But again, it could be that last, you know, that last ditch effort of possibly weeding somebody out. Like you're reiterating, this is your hours. These are the expectations. Um, you know, this is the uniform. This is, you know, like kind of doing that last little, like, we'd love to offer you position. This is what you're getting paid. Um, you know, an issue for us, uh, again, two different things that we're talking about, but, you know, people want to just change their schedules all the time and the schedule changes. So I, I would learn to start addressing any issues in the offer letter and just let them know, like, there are no schedule changes you know, you're aware of the call out policy and have that in the offer letter and they would sign it. And then if there was an issue, I would be like, I would refer back to the offer letter that they signed. The offer letter spelling everything out. I couldn't agree more with you, Blanche, being, being, you know, every detail in it, I think is so important. Yeah. And I think it's something that people, um, either one, they don't do again, talking different levels. Like I'm, I'm talking now more like on a hourly employee, you know, franchise system. Um, because, you know, obviously in our level, we're going to be sending off offer letters. It's a very, you know, uh, formal thing, but I think, you know, that's just something that's missed and it's, um, it could be an amazing tool to, um, to weed more people out and to use later as a coaching tool. Totally agree. Anything else you want to leave the audience with related to hiring or if someone's interested in reaching out to you, how do they get in touch? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way to um, to reach out to me. I still do work with uh, small franchises and things like that. But I think for hiring, I think the biggest thing is just uh, what we said is, uh, you know, um, dating. You know, it's like that having that like a mindset um, that going to take a while. Do not just, um, you know, hire desperately. And one thing, you know, as franchisees (laughs) is be ready to fill in, you know, until you get that right person or make sure that you, you know, you're going to make, um, because you're going to destroy your own business by just, um, putting a desperate hire in there that could, that could ruin, you know, like (laughs) so many good things that you have. And one more thing with the franchisor is developing a good, you know, supporting your franchisees by providing like a very good hiring process that, you know, that would support them and help them hire better people. Yeah, I agree. Well, Blanche Ryder, thank you for joining today, despite some uh, technology (laughs) difficulties throughout this podcast. I think we've done a good job. Well, good luck. Good luck. The best of luck to you. Thank you. And if you need anything health and wellness related, you know where to find me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com. 